Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, if you're thinking about dinner, highly recommend. You go to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Man, I absolutely love going there. Their barbecue is fantastic. They smoke their ribs. They smoke their brisket their corned beef, their meatloaf. It is so unbelievably good, not to mention the sides. you got to have great sides. Mac and cheese, the beans are made with pork and they're made with brisket. Want non-barbecue options? I've been saying this for a long time. Their chicken marsala might be the best in the city of any five-star restaurant because Dave, the owner, he had a past life. He hasn't just done barbecue. He does everything. You can just go there for dessert. That's how great Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew is. Highly recommend you go there. They have two great locations. Denver metro area. You can find them in Centennial off of Arapahoe Road. That's where I go. Or you can go up into North Denver, Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Easily the best in town. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. As probably all of you know, Brian Flores is suing the NFL, including the Broncos, the Giants, and the Dolphins. He made the media rounds this morning, and he was asked specifically about his allegations against the Broncos. Uh, so I've had nine interviews with NFL clubs. There's been one interview where anyone was late. Um, and it wasn't me that was late. It was the interview the interviewers who were late. Um, that was with the Broncos. Um, I think there was a reason why they were late. Um, I think they were, um, they, they, they had, uh, they'd been out the night before. I think that's the reason why. Um, what, what made you believe that? I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but what made you, what gave you the impression, if you will, that they had been out drinking the night before? Well, I mean, when you sit at a table with, with, with five people who are interviewing you, um, uh, you know who's, uh, you can tell who's um, asking questions, who's into the interview and who's uh, not necessarily in the right, right, right state, I would say, in, in, in that moment. Um, but even then, obviously, I put my best foot forward. Um, and showed uh, why you know I was a, a good candidate for for that for that job. I'm always going to do that, um, but you know I, I I certainly did not feel um, like I was taken seriously, and that I was just there as a as a Rooney Rule. Who do you believe, Mace? Uh, I mean, the Broncos uh, have have denied this. Um, you know what? Whenever I I I hear kind of the he said she said i'm inclined to believe neither and say that the truth is probably somewhere in between i would agree um you have covered the broncos and you have covered the carolina panthers i've covered roughly 14 major league teams whether it's hockey nba major league baseball the nfl listen the the broncos are, are not flawless but when it comes to messaging and honestly doing their best to get the truth out there 
the Broncos are one of the best organizations I've been around. They put out that that flight landed at 2.30 in the morning. I'm sure you read that, right? Yes. Okay. So if a flight lands, lands at 2.30 in the morning, what time are you probably in bed? 3.30? Best case, even when you're landing on a private plane and not having to go through security. Yeah, best case, 3.30, you're in bed. And the interview's at 7.30 in the morning. So you're probably up no no later than 6.45, right. presuming the interview's right there in a conference room at the hotel. Right. So you're going on very limited sleep. And it is my understanding as well that they were coming from Los Angeles. So that's one heck of a flight cross country. And I don't blame anybody for having a cocktail on the plane for that type of flight. Yeah. I, I mean, frankly, to, to get a little bit of rest on the flight, if right. anything, right? I mean, they, they come from L.A. because they'd interviewed Zach Taylor. Right. As part, as part of the process. I cannot imagine Elway and Patrick Smythe were doing beer bongs, but I'm sure they had a couple of cocktails. I think that everybody was tired. Everybody was lethargic. I think that Flores might have been a little sensitive to the situation. However, I am not dismissing how he feels about everything when it comes to alleging racism. That, I believe, is real. I think I'm not trying to defend the Denver Broncos here, but if you actually look at the chronology of the Broncos trip from the West Coast to the East Coast, how much time they had sleeping, I'm guessing a lot of people were very tired. With that, another Flores allegation was accusing Dolphins owner Stephen Ross of paying him to lose games in order to tank in the draft. And now, former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson is making news when he put out on Twitter a response to Flores' allegations about Ross, saying this, Browns owner Jimmy Haslam was, quote, happy when we were losing, and then wrote, trust me, it was a good number in response to someone who said Haslam wasn't offering $100,000 per loss. As you might imagine, a statement like this is going to go viral. It is going to make news. And Jackson went on ESPN about an hour ago to clarify. Team at the top. You mentioned Jimmy. Of course, you're referring to the owner, Jimmy Haslam. Were you explicitly approached by ownership or anyone in the front office to tank and that you would be incentivized for it? Uh, this is what I would say. Um, what I was approached by is understanding what that four-year plan was. And I think if we understood the mechanics of it and how it was laid out, I never knew that that plan would lead to those things because I didn't understand it, being very honest. Uh, and then once I have, was in it and understood everything that was on that plan and how it affected myself and how others were being paid from it, then it made sense to me that this is a team that can't win, that the first two years, that's why I didn't talk about winning, is not to win so that you can capitalize that way, not so much for me, but for draft picks, for uh, creating salary cap space so that they can do what they needed to do on the other end. And I do know that no head coach is going to survive if you lose a lot of games. You just, there's no way. And so I was put out as the face of this and I, I ended up having to take this. Did you? Mason, does it sound like Hugh Jackson let the toothpaste out of the tube and is now trying to stuff it back in? Yes, very much so. I mean, 
the thing the the thing is we know about what the Cleveland Browns were at that moment in time that you had a lot of analytics people including uh, uh Paul D Podesta who um was kind of he was he was fictionalized in Moneyball, but he was the real life person that was yeah. working with Billy Bean, as was as was as was noted in in the film of uh, ten years ago. Um, that they were that the, they were thinking in terms of a very process and analytics oriented rebuild, right? Yep. I mean, I don't I don't know that the words we're trying to lose were ever said, but clearly they weren't. Uh, invested in the result, highly invested in having a lot of wins in that moment because they were trying to maximize draft capital, and in their case, they end up with number one overall picks in back-to-back years. I don't. I don't think. Listen, if if Jackson put out there, Jimmy Haslam was happy while we were losing. If he just put that out there. I think people would ask questions, but what he just said to ESPN would make sense. It's when he got provocative and said, trust me, it was a good number that got him in trouble. Right. And he, and he, and he couldn't specify the number. Right. Because you know what my question, go ahead. Yeah. If you're asked that question, you should, shouldn't you specify the number instead of saying, trust me, it's a good number. Right. He was being provocative. And you know what I was going to ask before he made this, you know, correction on air? Did Jackson take the money? And I'll be honest with you. I don't think, let me ask you, you and I have been in the media for probably a combined 50, 60 years. Would it have been an unfair question to ask Brian Flores this morning, did you take $100,000 per loss? It wouldn't have been unfair. If you're gonna, if if these things are going to come up, right? It's to me, it's an actual follow up, right? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to tell the interviewers how to do their jobs, but that that that's the question. You know, you and I, we when we're doing an interview, when we're part of a press conference, I think one thing that you and I do really well is we're good at asking a follow up because we're listening to what the person right. is saying, and oftentimes that's where you get the best responses by not the planned question that you walked into the into the room with but the question that comes from an answer that right. is given by the subject here for those who want to go into journalism or want to be an interviewer for a living here's a friendly tip from your pals Mason Goody <laughs> the best interviewers aren't the ones who ask the best questions the best interviewers are those that listen the best in order to get that follow-up. Because the interviewee is expecting these questions. He is not expecting the follow-up. Right. There's a reason why when I go to do a press conference, I never like to bat lead off, but I always like to go, I always like to go second, third, or fourth. And you know what made it hard? Because you, and, and inevitably, it's, it's a question I ask. It's something I didn't walk in with because all, all you have to do is listen. If you listen, you get a lot. You know, it's funny because, and, and I'm going to get a little, you know, media 101 here, a little inside baseball. And I hope those that are listening and watching will appreciate what, what you and I are saying. It's been very hard over the last couple of years not to be able to go into the locker room because that's how you develop relationships and you develop sources, 
And that's how you gather the best information when stuff is off the record or on background. While that has been lost over the last two years, I'll give you something else, Mace, that has been lost, generally speaking as well, specifically in year one of COVID. When there are Zoom press conferences, you almost never get a follow-up. Almost nobody gets a follow-up. One question and the person monitoring the Zoom call mutes you almost immediately. And that is another thing that is difficult in terms of getting good information. Right. And it, you have, and the thing is, the only way you get a follow-up is if you start by your, is if you start by saying, I have a follow-up, but sometimes you don't know that you have a follow-up until you've listened and heard the response, right? Right. All right. Coming up. That's, after, that's what we're missing. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Flores' allegation, accusing Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross of paying him to lose games. And I can tell you, this has happened in the past. Not being paid to lose games, but being told to lose games. Literally being told to lose games. How do I know this? I was covering the Nuggets when I was told this. By as good of a source as you can get. We'll talk about that next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my friend and my guy, Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance, the Cook Insurance Group. I've worked with Eric for over five years. He does my auto. He does my home. He's going to probably be doing my life insurance as well. And there isn't a guy I trust more to work with that stuff, honestly, than him. He asks all the right questions. He wants to put me in the right policy. He's very thorough about what he does, and his communication is second to nobody. He is quick to return phone calls. He is quick to return emails. He's even done that with me on his day off. I mean, why would you want to work with anybody else who is honestly that thorough and communicates like he does? His staff, over 70 years of experience. With that, give them a call today, 303-790-8089. 303-790-8089. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. Okay, I want to continue the conversation, Mace, that we had about uh, Flores' allegations that uh, Dolphins owner Stephen Ross paid him or offered to pay him $100,000 per game to lose a game in order to tank for the draft. Trying to tank is certainly not unusual. Paying a coach to tank is clearly something different, right? 
But I have a story yes. to tell you. Incentivizing tanking. That's, right. That's what this is. But here's a story for you. Back in 2003, I think a lot of people remember that draft pretty well. That was the LeBron James draft, Carmelo Anthony draft, Dwayne Wade draft. I was told by somebody high up in the Nuggets organization that members of the coaching staff were told to do their rotations in a certain way in order for them to lose games. Because they, like everybody else, wanted LeBron James. There's a part of me that can actually understand that. But I've had friends call me over the last you know day or so to actually talk about this. Coaches have no interest in losing games because they'll get fired. Because at the end of the day, their resume on top of it is wins, losses, playoff wins, Super Bowl wins. You play to win the game. That's how coaches are judged, right? So if Brian Flores has a lot of losses on his resume, he's going to have a very difficult time getting a job unless he wants to explain in an interview that he was paid $100,000 to lose a game. And he's certainly not going to do that in an interview. With that, legalized gambling is now a big part of the NFL. A lot of betting sites partnered with the NFL. How serious is this allegation against Ross? And what do you think the league will do if this allegation turns out to be true? You know, for all the talk about uh, the, 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 the racism and not that it isn't a big deal. The huge um, deal. The, but this is bigger. It's, it's massive. But this, the, but this is bigger the, the, because... The, the integrity of the game. The, right. And th- this is why the one thing you can't do if you work for a team, if you are a player or a coach, the thing that will get you the stiffest punishment for a first offense is gambling on football because of the per- because of the perception that would have on the integrity of the game. Now we're in a day and age where the NFL is more than happy to make money and partner with gambling companies, but to this day, its own employees can't partake in that. And that's players, coaches, business staff, etc., because of the impropriety involved with that. If you have teams that are that it, that are found to have intention that at least have rewarded employees for basically losing, you know, or trying or incentivizing defeat, that's going that that kind of like bet, betting on football will cut to the heart of what the league has spent uh, decades uh, decades trying to foster in terms of uh, being a legitimate competition. It's it, th- th- this is th- this is massive. This is the kind of thing that could result if if true could result in, ma- in in changes in how in how the draft is functioning, and it could result in it certainly would result in a loss of credibility. Well, l- let's take it to the final step. Do you think the NFL owners will force Stephen Ross to sell the team? If true, I think they would do everything in their power to do it. Think of it this way. Everything that Dan Snyder has done wrong yep. in Washington, yep. he still holds the team, right? And it's off the field. It's, it's egregious, but it's off the uh, field. It's the integrity right. of the game. Now you're tied in with, with betting partners. And, you know, somebody like a fan duel can say, you know what? We don't want to be associated with you anymore. Now, clearly, they're not going to cut off their mo- nose to spite their face. Because if they did, believe me, somebody else will step in. 
Yes. No question about it. With that, I kind of liken this to the Pete Rose situation, but kind of in reverse. Uh, I was talking to somebody about what Pete Rose did. And people will argue, Pete Rose only bet on his team to win. That's fine. But at the end of the day, there are point spreads in theory, right? Just like you have in football. The, the Reds are favored to win by three runs or more. Pete Rose bets on his team to win by three runs or more, right? But you can mm-hmm. alter your pitching staff. You can alter your lineup in order to still make sure you hit your number, right? Correct. That's why it doesn't matter if Pete Rose just bet on his team to win because he could be sacrificing his pitching staff the next game in order to win the bet today. Bingo. And and, and that's why even though he bet on his team, it, it doesn't make it any it doesn't make it any less of an offense. Not just the next day, but if you have a manager who bet on his team to win and has action riding on that game, he's making decisions based on the urgency of that day. But it's a game in like mid July, right? Mm-hmm. The opposing manager is based is making his decisions based on what is right for my team over the course of a season, and it affects it affects you know your your lineup construction. It affects your bullpen usage, right? I mean, and, and another thing that like could come into play. Let's say let's say he bet on his team to win and win by one run, and they're behind by two going into the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Now, most teams, when they're behind by two in that situation, they have, they, they, they've got an A bullpen and a B bullpen, right? Yep. You got, the, you got, the, you got your, a, your A bullpen, your seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guys to preserve a lead when you're in front. And then you have your lesser guys that you throw out there when you're behind and say, okay, well, you know, if we come back, great. But uh, if we, you know, the, the chances of coming back percentage-wise aren't, aren't too terrific. So we're going to save our 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 strong our, our best arms for the day when we're trying to for the for the next day hopefully trying to close out a win. Pete's well, not doing that. He's not doing that. Nope. He, he's throwing his his a bullpen <laughs> out there when he's behind two runs. Right. And that and and that that again that changes the entire dynamic of your season when you do that. Right. I, I mean, mean he's managing. You're managing a game on July 25th like it's Game Seven of the World Series. I mean, wouldn't it be bad. Who was a really good pitcher when Rose was the manager? Do you do you remember anybody off the top? Tom Browning. He threw no. He threw a perfect game. Is that right? Right. Okay. Yes. Let's just say he was a pitcher when Rose was managing. Wouldn't it be kind of odd that if Tom Browning pitched three days prior, that suddenly he's out there in the eighth inning? Oh yeah. Right. You know, I mean, it, it would actually be interesting to look at, at Tom Browning because. Didn't he kind of he he was a he was a terrific picture for a while there in the eighties, but didn't he flame out a lot earlier than people thought he would? Yeah, I don't, I really don't, I don't, I don't have a Tom Browning's baseball card in front of me. Right, I, I just believe that he did throw a perfect game. One more thing, if we could just kill yeah. the music. Uh, Brian Flores is up for the Texans job and the Saints job. Uh, Mickey Loomis, the GM of the Saints, said Flores interviewed really well, even if. Flores gets a job and you can make the case. He's going to be blackballed like Colin Kaepernick was, 
But if you are Roger Goodell, are you calling the owners of the Saints and the Texans and saying, maybe it wouldn't be such a bad idea if you give Flores a second look? He shouldn't, but I imagine he will. Do you think he should? Would you if you were him? Do you, do you um, think it's in the NFL's best interest to make sure Flores has a head coaching job? Or is the league and the owners so upset they want nothing to do with them? I think it's in the league's best interest in general to have more minorities in coaching positions. But I'm talking about Flores specifically. Flores. Talking about Flores yeah, specifically. But, yeah. Because he's not dropping I, the suit. I, I, yeah. Yeah, if he he's not dropping the suit, the the one thing that I think a team might be concerned about is, are you going to be distracted with this going through the courts? Yeah, and that's and and that's what they could lean on to you know to to make a different a different decision. Now that being said, I don't know if if you're Roger Goodell, I don't know if he would say Brian Flores specifically, although he may mention his name, but he might say, look. We need we need some we need somebody to step up and hire a minority here. Yeah, like I, like for New Orleans, for example, most people think that Dennis Allen, their current defensive coordinator, is going to get the job. He certainly is the he he's still the betting favorite, right in in Las Vegas. I'm sure, you're right. But uh, you you can imagine you know Houston's kind of a rogue planet in the in the NFL solar system, but you maybe imagine that. Uh, that new that uh, there could be a phone call from Roger Goodell to Gail Benson, the owner of the Saints, right? Uh, kind of compelling her to, uh, to to hire, if not Flores, one right. of the minority candidates on their radar at the, at, at this moment in time. So you know what I'm I mean, doing because, it, because it, that's a con- that's a concern. You know what I'm doing if I'm Benson? I offer Flores the job and say I have an interesting salary structure. We're going to give you a hundred thousand dollars per win. That will be your salary. Hundred thousand. Even though that's a that that's a team that may, in, in terms of their management, <laughs> right. may their their management of this season yeah. may be trying to lose without like actively trying to lose, right. but maybe writing off this season to try to get a higher pick next year. Well, coming up after the break, odds are out. Who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? Wait to see where the Broncos is are at. Also, Andrew, you did a great Twitter poll today. Now that Clint Kubiak is the Broncos' pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. If Rodgers and Wilson don't come here, does this mean Kirk Cousins might? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at TheOptimumGolf.com. 
Here's some odds for the upcoming Super Bowl in 2023. Buffalo is the favorite at 7 to 1. Kansas City and the Rams are 8 to 1. San Francisco and Dallas 10 to 1. Green Bay 16 to 1. Don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going to be, but 16 to 1. And then the Chargers, Bengals who are in the Super Bowl, Tennessee, Arizona and the Broncos are 20 to 1 and we don't know where Aaron Rodgers is going to be, but I'm guessing Vegas is kind of betting on the come and hedging their bet with the Packers. With that, Andrew, you did a Twitter poll today. Now that Clint Kubiak is the Broncos pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. If the Broncos can't get Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you think they might want to trade for Kirk Cousins. And if Kirk Cousins is the Broncos quarterback, you think the Broncos are 20 to 1? Mace, you there. Mace, you're muted. If Kirk Cousins is the Broncos quarterback, I think they probably are still about 20 to 1. I think that's kind of the middle ground. You think if Cousins is the quarterback, they remain at 20 to 1? Because yes. I think they're 20 to 1 with Rodgers, but Cousins? Oh, I, I think that the reason they're 20 to 1 is it reflects the possibility of Rodgers. Right. But, do so, you, but if they got Cousins, if, if, not Rodgers. So put it this way, if they get Rodgers, I think they go up to maybe 8-1, to one, somewhere in that range. Right. If they don't get Rodgers and don't get Cousins, I think they fall to about 40-1. to one. Right. I think the, the, where they are 20-1 to one with Cousins is kind of splitting the difference. I, don't th- I actually think that is where they would land if Cousins were their quarterback. Okay, with that, let's talk about your Twitter poll. The question was, if the Broncos can't get Rodgers or Russell Wilson, should they trade for Cousins? What did everybody say? All right, well, you can vote on that, actually. Uh, or, no, actually, the voting closed. My bad. It closed at the start of the show. The polls are closed? And, yeah, polls are closed, and mm-hmm. I want to thank the over uh, 2,400 people who chimed in on this today. What if, what if I would like the Department of Defense to seize all of the voting machines to have a recount? Um, you could try that. Uh, what about Homeland uh, Security? Uh, I'm I'm in charge of these things on Twitter, and I would say, no, you can't have them. <laughs> Be- because I, it is my understanding uh, that was in the realm of possibility and was part of a conversation a couple of years ago, but I digress. Yeah. We're not going to talk about politics. Uh, yeah, yeah, you took it there, not me. I, I know I, I did. Wasn't I wanted to get that. back out of it. Go ahead. I know. What do you got? Anyway, so the four options were, should they trade for Cousins if they can't land Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? Four options were, yes, no, get another veteran quarterback, no, draft a quarterback in round one, no, run it back with Drew Locke. Oh, God. Can you guess which choice won? Please don't tell me it's four. No. Okay. That was second. That was second. 28.6% of the voters said run it back with Drew Locke. You know what? I want to ask you a question. I want to just tell us what the winner is or who voted the most for one topic. Then I want to ask you something. So what what was the winning vote total? Draft a quarterback in round one, 39.5%. Okay. Let's see if let's see if Peyton falls in love with anybody. With that, do you think with this new young hip, uh, hip hop, offensive staff, do you think they could turn around Drew Locke? 
I think they can get be- they they can get him a bit better, but I don't know that they can get him to a level where you're giving him a long term contract and building around him. Yeah, and that's I think fair. they can. I think they can make him a serviceable starter, mm-hmm. but someone who is kind of headed for the Ryan Fitzpatrick type of career arc. Let's be very careful when you think that a coaching staff can turn around a quarterback. I understand Jimmy Garoppolo has been to a Super Bowl and just went to the championship game. The Niners were there in spite of him. And Kyle Shanahan is a pretty good quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur is considered to be a pretty good offensive mind. Same with Nathaniel Hackett. Same with Getze, the former quarterback's coach. Now the, now the offensive coordinator of the Bears. They could not turn around Jordan Love. So be careful thinking that a coaching staff can turn around a quarterback. Right. It's Look, you can have coaches that can elevate a quarterback kind of beyond his norm. And I think that's something that uh, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, um, Sean McVay have succeeded at over the years. I, Jared Goff is probably is a lower tier quarterback who played as a, as an upper mid tier quarterback and even briefly a little bit higher under Sean McVay. But event, but we see kind of more of what he is in, in Detroit. And I mean, th- there's the thing, the thing is you kind of run the risk of having a false positive. If, 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 if Locke does kind of just well enough to kind of give you hope when most of the quarterbacks that have performed at his level historically over the decades, especially when you adjust for, for the norms of the era, they do kind of end up as fringe starters or career backups. And then we talked about earlier in the show, the attributes that Nathaniel Hackett said he prizes most in the quarterback are intelligence and toughness. I don't, I don't think anyone can deny that Drew Locke is tough. Right. Because of because of the pounding he has absorbed, and the fact that he stayed in there, he's battled back from from injuries. But one concern that's always come up is kind of the is is kind of the cerebral side, the pro, the, the the processor, the ability to kind of uh, to 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 handle the nomenclature of uh, of the West Coast offense, and that's why we, I think you kind of if you're looking at the quarterbacks here, even though. In bad conditions today, Malik Willis and Carson Strong were the standouts. I think somebody who probably checks the boxes that Nathaniel Hackett wants a little bit more is Kenny Pickett out of pit. At the risk of getting all artsy on you here, I think, and you know I love my analogies, I would guess that (laughs) many people would say that Michelangelo and Rodin were two of the greatest sculptors of all time. So if you look at a Kyle Shanahan or you look at a Sean McVay as two of the greatest sculptors in the NFL, okay, how much clay are you giving them? Are you giving them a small handful, like a Jared Goff, or are you giving them the biggest wheel of clay on the planet, like a Aaron Rodgers? You're always going to be able to do more and likely do better, if you have more clay. Yes. That's, are, and, and, and that's your first, that, that is, make no mistake, that is the first choice if it is possible. If Aaron Rodgers wants to leave and is interested in becoming a Bronco, I, that is the first choice 
of the Broncos in this offseason. If that doesn't work out, then you go to the contingency plans, which is why George Payton is watching the quarterback so carefully this week down here. Well, Jim Harbaugh's made his decision. That's coming up in just in case you missed it, isn't it, Danny? I guess so. I was going to tease it, but you've already said the name. So we'll be talking about what Jim Harbaugh will be doing with the next year of his career. Adam Schefter broke the news just a short while ago. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Oh man, this song reminds me of middle school when hmm. Billy Squire sang The Stroke, and this was a great album. I'm guessing you were in diapers when this came out, right, Mace? Uh, if you were in middle school. Yep. This came out in 1981. Okay, I was in kindergarten. Yeah. So you were in diapers. You were still breastfeeding. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Sorry, Mrs. Mason. I know you listen to the show. Just in case you missed it. Just in case you missed it, Jim Harbaugh, one of the most sought-after names in the NFL coaching carousel this offseason, has made his decision. Adam Schefter reporting just a short while ago, quote, Jim Harbaugh called Michigan to inform the school that despite interviewing with the Vikings today, he will be returning to school for the 2022 season, sources tell ESPN. Michigan was, in the words of one source, elated to get Harbaugh's decision. Are you surprised that Jim Harbaugh is not coming back to the NFL in one of the several openings in which he was rumored to uh, be a top candidate for? You know, I'm a, I'm a little surprised there's a, you know, there's a relationship there with a new general manager in uh, general manager in Minnesota, but um, you know, maybe he maybe he's just one of those guys who likes to feel wanted. And and, and likes the per, likes being pursued. Now, with that being said, by having this dalliance and having it be public, this is going to be used against Michigan on the recruiting trail. No because question. everyone else in the Big Ten is going to say, this guy is looking for the exit right now. He may not be your coach for four, for four years, but I will be. Well, he hurt himself because today was National Signing Day. And yeah. there were multiple reports that were that parents of recruits were saying that Harbaugh was honest in the process, sitting in the living room saying, I can't guarantee I'm going to be here. So he hurt himself this year with his recruiting class. And that and that's just that's just absolutely wild. And 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 I'm 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 actually looking at the uh the rankings. Michigan still had a top ten class. According to uh, 24-7 Sports, they're ninth. Not bad. Yeah, but did you see that Texas A&M... Ohio State's number four. Yeah, but did you see Texas A&M, according to the rankings, the greatest recruiting class of all time? 
Yes, and uh, and, and the, a huge distance between them and number two Alabama. We talked about it on the show. They have a very sophisticated NIL program to maximize revenue yes, for their do. athletes that they are that they are developing, and this is the this is the sort of thing that we're probably going to see other schools end up uh, following. But A and M is ahead of the curve on this, and. They just had not only they just had not only the greatest recruiting class in A and M history, but like you said, you can argue the greatest recruiting class in the history of college football. They just landed today the number two prospect in the country. Seven guys in the top twenty-five. Danny. Yep. Just in case you missed it, Denver Nuggets at Utah Jazz tonight, eight o'clock p.m. Mountain Time on ESPN, and Denver on the second night of a back-to-back as they have been every other time they have faced the Jazz so far this season. That observation. From Mace, uh, your buddy Harrison Wind over there at the DNVR. So the Jazz have won all previous matchups this season as the Nuggets were on the second night of a back-to-back. However, Utah without Gobert, without Donovan Mitchell, without Hassan Whiteside, and without Joe Ingles, who recently tore his ACL for tonight. Jokic, Cousins, and Aaron Gordon all questionable for the Nuggets tonight. Is this uh, scheduling oversight by the NBA? So it's a little bit. I mean, you're dealing with some awkwardness with with rescheduling in general, but this is uh, this is scheduling oversight. Although I think, frankly, even though you mention the three key nuggets being questionable, Danny, I actually like their chances better tonight because they lost last night. If they'd won last night, I would I agree. Think they'd be. I think they'd be in, in prime position to get pipped tonight. Mace. Now I think they're going to come at it with a little more fervor. Mace, don't be picking games. You picked the Avs to beat the Coyotes last night. But didn't hey, I believe you said you could have hey, won that game in goal, Eric? Yeah, <laughs> could have. And you, you, and in the you shootout, were writing sure. it off. But you were writing it off as a give me, right. and I was war- And I warned you that the last time before last night that the Coyotes and Avs played in Denver, it went to a shootout, and I said it could get interesting. You did right? warn. You did warn me, Mace. I should heed your warnings more often. Dude, good job today. Is it supposed to rain tomorrow in Mobile? It's actually, not only is it supposed to rain, they're moving practice inside. Oh, so good. I may be watching it on a computer screen uh, rather than okay. uh, being out the practice, but uh, we'll have a full report. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, meal tonight. I'm sure you'll have something absolutely terrific. I'm sure you'll pick your favorite drive through Have a great night, my friend. Alex, Danny, great job today. For Andrew Mates and I'm Eric Goodman. Make it the best possible night you can. This is what I say. Don't deny-